Vaccine. I'm Steve, and wouldn't you know, Dario Argento's got more movies that we haven't talked about. Uh, joining me again, it's Adam Myros. I mean, he's got a lot more movies that we haven't talked about, and then it would probably be more fun to talk about than these ones. But uh... this is true. Yeah, we we chose a specific era, so this is this is kind of our fault. But uh, we we wanted to kind of you know get into uncharted territory here for most people. We're we're doing a service to the world. Okay, that's that's what we're here for at Optimism Vaccines. What we do, uh, Jack raised the question: Do you do you ever feel like we're wasting our lives? And the answer is no. We're sacrificing ourselves for the greater good, right, Jack? That's it. We need to put that on the website. That's the new Optimism Vaccine <laughs> tagline: Sacrifice selves. We should get a monument in the middle of like a small French village. Yeah, or like Bakersfield, California. <laughs> <laughs> right next to it, they they have a monument to the band Corn, so maybe like next to that one. They actually they got Corn got a monument there. Hell yeah! I feel like it's their really songs cool. about Bakersfield weren't even that nice to Bakersfield. Well, you know, if you've ever been to Bakersfield, yeah, <laughs> you know why. Even if you grew up there, <laughs> yeah. Now I'm wondering, does Des Moines have one for Slipknot? Like, is there a Slipknot memorial? Because enough of them have died now too. Honestly, they could they could do a legit thing for that. Oh uh, yeah, we we lost the we lost the clown earlier this year, I believe. Yeah, not them dying is funny. It just occurs to me, you know, like you could have a Slipknot thing, and then honestly, they could do something, you know, add on, like make us what mm -hmm. else? Like literally, I know nothing about Des Moines, Idaho, <laughs> other than or Iowa, rather than uh, I nearly got the state wrong. Other than Slipknot, that's it. That's that's they put them on the map. I see. I don't know if that's accurate, Mister Foreigner. Isn't that like the state capital or something? Oh yeah, who gives a shit about state capitals? Well, here? I mean, Bakersfield. <laughs> Bakersfield has nothing. You know, it's just like uh, a few musicians came from here, okay, so everything yeah, in the city is like, named after it. There's two In and Out Burgers. Uh, it's the home of Buck Owens, <laughs> yeah. country music superstar. Merle Haggard, sure. something, some connection. I mean, there I'm, not, I'm not saying that D Des yeah. Moines is like a big deal in Iowa, but that's it's a big deal in Iowa. Adam yeah. is what I'm saying. <laughs> right, but I'm I'm just, just saying I think they have enough like points of, of local pride to that they wouldn't be so uh singularly focused on a new metal band, unlike Bakersfield, which has <laughs> nothing. Pretty nothing. pretty popular. Look, look, growing up in Ireland, Slipknot came out, suddenly I heard of Des Moines, Iowa. So that's not nothing. Who what did they yeah. the state legislature? I don't give a shit about them even now. And I live closer to them than ever. <laughs> Bakersfield kind of rocks though as a town because like most cities that are, are pretty good size and Bakersfield is probably like what 300 400,000 people like it's a it's a real city yeah. somehow but the way it kind of sprawls out and the place where it exists like most cities of that size there's like suburbs outside of it or other stuff and Bakersfield just ends <laughs> like you get outside <laughs> of the city and it's just a desert <laughs> This is what I like about America is that this like shithole nowhere place you're talking about is like literally more than four times the size of the city I grew up in. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's like bigger than Dublin and one millionth of the culture. It's uh, not it's not bigger than Dublin, it's bigger than Limerick though. It's yeah, oh, bigger yeah, it's, it's bigger, bigger than, than how Cork. big is Dublin? Probably Dublin like Dublin's 000? like no, Dublin's like one million. It's like a quarter of the oh, country lives in Dublin. That's the whole country. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it's just like Bakersfield would be like the second biggest city in Ireland. 
It, it would, it literally, literally, it's, if there's 400,000 people there, it is, I think, bigger than the third and second largest cities combined. <laughs> Love that. Love that. <laughs> so, That's great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Who needs a Galway girl when you can find yourself a Bakersfield girl? Uh, yeah, but so that corn monument that we're going to get the Optimism Vaccine Monument next to, it's it's really nice. It uh, it kind of reminds me of the Vietnam War uh, Memorial. It's, As it uh, should. Yeah. It's like uh, just really shiny uh, black stone. Uh, and then it's it's got the faces of each corn guy, uh, Jonathan Davis, Fieldy, Monkey, of course, and uh, the drummer. What's his name? What's the drummer's name from corn? I don't David know. Silvera? The, which drummer? Because did they leave? He left. Did we that get into the Corn yeah. Argento connection in the last spot? I don't even remember. No, I don't think we talked about it. I just oh. talked to you guys about it, but <laughs> I didn't do anything with it. Like, I just posted that screen cap. I didn't even fucking tweet about it or anything, you know, because that's what people are looking for on Twitter. They're like, oh, man, who's going to post corn pictures from movies no one saw? But yeah, in what was it? Sleepless. No, uh, no, it's not it, Sleepless. No, it's not the, Sleepless. Which one is it? Was it the card player? Yes. Yeah, card it was the card player. It was the card player. Yeah. So in the card player, uh, in this woman's like dressing room, like she's got uh, this mirror, and in the mirror, so like behind her is a corn poster, but it's not corn. It's just the drummer from Corn, as like a full poster. Like that's the only member of Corn she's interested in, uh, which. I mean, I'm sure this was not like a calculated set design choice, but it's fucking amazing. <laughs> I don't even know, like, what was he? What, I, I think it was going for because it looks like a leering hunk just kind of staring over her shoulder ominously. But it's like, no, it's not ominous. It's just the corn guy. It's no big deal. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, no one would recognize who the guy was if it didn't have his name printed on the thing. So <laughs> that's true. Well, no, I mean, I, I kind of. Because his name is like half cut off, yeah. And you look at him, because he's the guy from Corn, where they all look like just, just like rats' nest people, and he's the only guy who looks like in another life he could have been in a boy band, maybe. Like he's got kind of like frosted tips, and he's got short hair and muscles, and you know. So I, I don't know. I, I think he's the sexiest Corn guy for sure. Oh, uh, Hans was sure. the first to be kicked out of the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Making the other guys feel appeal. vulnerable, clearly. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if, if it came from Claudio Simonetti's uh, personal poster collection. He seems like <laughs> the kind of person who might be down for a little bit of corn in his life. Man, his Claudio Simonetti's musical interests are, uh, I mean, they're of interest to me, because <laughs> for a while he seemed really into EDM, and then he kind of switched gears, and uh, I mean, shit. Did he do Dracula 3D as well? Yes, yeah. yes he did. Yeah, so... I, I guess in his advanced age, he's become obsessed with the theremin, which makes sense because I don't know about you, but like anytime I've seen someone either talk about theremins or like a guy who has a theremin, they're always like 70. This is like ham radio people. That's the theremin guy. <laughs> I, I would buy one if it was cheap. Why not? It seems like the, the sort of thing you don't have to know anything and you just could noodle around with it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Are, are theremins move. really expensive? I've never I've never thought about this before. You could probably get a theremin for a hundred bucks. Yeah, I don't think I, they, I don't think they're terribly expensive. It's a fucking. It's just a stick. Yeah. It's just <laughs> a, a metal stick. That's what I thought, but the way Adam talked about it, it's like, shit, are these like grand pianos? Like... <laughs> yeah, but still, even a hundred bucks, am I going to drop it? No, but if I saw it at like a garage sale for 20 bucks, I'd be like, well, yeah, I guess I could own a theremin. <laughs> yeah. Well, shit, I mean, do you remember, Myros, this was, this was years and years ago when we lived in Kalamazoo, but we went and saw this band called The Cassettes, 
uh, play. And they were all these guys in like their early to mid twenties, but they had a theremin player. And how old was the theremin player? Like fucking 80 <laughs> at least. It's true. Rolling granddad out on tour. We redivert the Patreon fund to Adam's theremin fund. He can start doing yeah. our theme music. New, can, new can you goal. imagine, <laughs> listeners, if we, if we were doing, if all of this absolutely pointless preamble to this episode, there was just light theremin playing underneath it all, like, that could happen. We could do that. Well, I already bought a micro Korg uh, thinking I might dick around with music for the podcast, but it's it's never happened, really. <laughs> it, oh, that's got a vocoder yeah, on it. Yeah, Wow. I even have a nicer upgrade microphone hooked up to the vocoder, but do, do, oh I, do I use it for anything productive? No, I just occasionally am like... Letting everyone know what they, they can't have. Yeah, you just cover fucking Bon Jovi's It's My Life. <laughs> Just sitting around till like 4 a.m. going, wow, wow. <laughs> All right. Well, enough about Myros's favorite Bon Jovi songs. Uh, I guess we should probably talk about Dario Argento, uh, I suppose. Although there's only really one of these movies I want to see. And again, remember, we're doing you a service here. You listen to an hour of us, and there's at least like three to four hours of movie here that you don't need to experience, and you can go on living your life, and it'll probably be a, a just a richer, better life for you. So let's talk about Mother of Tears, shall we? Yeah, speaking of a movie you need to experience. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I mean, the plot's pretty simple. Uh, Asia Argento's getting chased around by your big titty goth girlfriend uh, and her gang, and then uh, her, her mom shows up, and then I couldn't stop laughing, right? <laughs> All right, this is the highlight of, of this series of movies. Um, we talked, we talked <laughs> yeah. in the first episode about, you know, the, like the timeline for Argento seems to officially like 1987 is the cutoff and Argento never made anything worthwhile after 1987. And we, we no. rebuke that. We refuse. No, he's made some really good stuff. And we talked about it in the last episode, like Sleepless, genuinely really solid thriller. Stendhal Syndrome, we didn't talk about that, but it's good. There's, there's various, you know, good movies later on that he made. And honestly, right up 2006, is that when this was made? Mother of Tears, I think. Uh, 2007, I think. It 2007. Came I mean, okay, right. There's a lot wrong with this movie, but I think we can all agree this is not the worst way to spend like 100 minutes. It's a pretty goofy movie. The real problem, if it has any problem at all, is that it is technically closing out the trilogy of two of the most acclaimed <laughs> horror movies in history, yeah. Suspiria and Inferno. That's really the only thing weighing on this otherwise extremely funny mid-2000s horror movie. Yeah, it, it's a weight yeah. of expectations on this one. Uh, even at the time, I remember everyone was excited for it, myself included, because it was... Oh, the third, uh, the third of the three mothers movies. He's finally making it, and uh, yeah, I mean, who knows if he ever really had any intent to make that an actual trilogy or to make this film or what? But it, it, eventually, he did, and uh, boy, did people hate it at the time. And I, I <laughs> guess you could see why, but also, I don't know. Just if you don't go into it expecting it to be fucking Suspiria, then uh, you'll be fine. This thing's so goddamn stupid i was telling jack like i didn't think like it it feels like it could just as easily be like a, a sequel to anthropophagus by joe damato than <laughs> fucking suspiria <laughs> like it feels like a, yeah, a slightly I, I, better joe damato movie than, than an <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like what? What's the? <laughs> so this is either super low budget cheesy Argento or like high budget highbrow Joe D'Amato. You could you could choose your favorite there. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I guess I I was struggling this week, but this is this is the only one of the three that like genuinely held my attention for any period of time. Just because everyone's you know would kind of kind of lull into these these little low periods. But Argento would always ratchet things up with something absurd and unexpected happening. Yeah, anytime the monkey showed up, you just know you had to pay attention. <laughs> That's yeah, how you know. Exactly. Yeah, it's like a little harbinger of of craziness. It's it's a, like what I like about this movie. And Adam, you you mentioned this uh, beforehand as well, and I, I think it's really it's true. Is that you watch this movie and you could kind of see the movie that might have been made in like the early 80s as an actual follow-up to Inferno to close out the kind of films that Argento was making at that time. Mm -hmm. There's kind of like, Aja Argento was thrown into this world where her mother that she thought died in a car accident was in fact murdered by witches, and she is now, and there's this global plot, the, this, this, the final mother has risen, she's gathering women from all over the world who are committing horrific crimes and kind of uh, uh, descending on Rome where she lives to enact some kind of fiendish plan to, to I guess, rule the world or whatever. It's never exactly clear. Bad stuff. Um, and, you know, but there's, like, the searching element for Ajar Argento as she's running around the city and escaping that's very in tune, I think, with, like, portions of Inferno particularly. But unlike Inferno and Suspiria, which really cultivate this kind of, uh, almost, like, kind of dreamlike, surrealist quality to the story, kind of like, a, you know, a logical narrative on hooks in those films it doesn't quite fit they kind of get guided by emotion and by by different sensibilities which is wonderful and why those films are so interesting and rewarding and well loved this is very linear and really kind of like falls down into really kind of it's a gore fest and uh very confusing like it just it just becomes frustrating for me particularly watching it and i did enjoy it. i enjoyed it. it's a really ridiculous movie but it is kind of frustrating that this movie about women all around the world rising up and this like powerful female witch enacting a plan against the world that this movie then just degrades into just scenes of extreme violence against women for like 90 minutes solid it's uh, kind of an insane turnaround of events <laughs> but if you're okay with that it's pretty funny. It's very over the top. Sergio Stivaletti is back in doing his special makeups effects, and this time augmented with an extra layer of CG, which I think Argento kind of found in Stendhal Syndrome first in like the mid 90s, and then in like his Phantom of the Opera in like 98, he really was like, oh, CG, I can just do whatever, and it costs almost nothing. And sure, it looks like it cost almost nothing, but that has never <laughs> deterred the man. This movie is absolutely wild, and from like the first kill in it, which is like the, the disemboweling hanging from Suspiria, but like ratcheted up like 10 more degrees of ridiculous. Uh, this film just kind of, it's it's insane. It's wild. And <laughs> mm. frankly, how could you not be entertained by this? I gotta say, I was really encouraging yeah. Jack's uh, feminist read up until the, the finale hit where uh, the, the third mother is <laughs> defeated. <laughs> when Asya Argento rips her shirt off with a stick and throws it in a burning barrel. Yeah, I don't understand how the most the most <laughs> the most powerful of the of the witches, like the, the so cruel. It's like all her power is in a weird vestment, which also like only comes down to like her, her hips, the top of her hips. 
Like, <laughs> she's naked for the whole movie, but this is a lot of nudity in this film, by the way. And her roving band of, of women subjects are mostly, like, Hot Topic employees who just going on a bender. That's the movie. It's really... Yeah. Uh, yeah it, this one's not winning any awards for, like, forward thinking or anything but you know it's it's certainly nowhere near as bad as its reputation like this movie is really hated in a lot of quarters and it's just it's unfair it it it's better than the, I like in the last episode we kept coming back like ghost ship and fucking 13 ghosts i enjoy this more than those movies oh no, yeah close yeah yeah this is just i mean the 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 schlock level here it just takes it into this high camp territory and Argento's movies have always kind of toyed with that, right? I mean, that's that's part of what makes them special is the balance between the campy elements and like the genuine horror and, and the, the, the beauty and the opulence of his sets. But here, it's just pure camp and it's dirt cheap and it's absolutely goddamn ridiculous. And I think the thing that I enjoy the most is uh, you know, the idea here is, like you said, all these all these witches are coming from around the world to invade Rome and follow the mother of tears and all this. So uh, there's all kinds of violence happening all over the city. And so anytime, <laughs> anytime anyone's going anywhere, just in the background, you'll just see like someone kick over a food uh, cart <laughs> or like punch a guy in the face outside of a phone booth. And it's just, it's just all this like garbage just happening in the background. It's fucking great. Yeah. yeah like the, the apocalypse is ushered in with just basic teen disobedience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah it, pretty much. I, I think what is really wrong with this movie and why people hate it is, uh, it's again, it's those expectations because this really at no point feels like one of his other uh, three mothers movies. Like there is no atmosphere or there's this uh, oppressive sort of eeriness and unsettling beginnings in in both Inferno and Suspiria and. Uh, you're often kind of left wondering what's going on. Whereas this movie feels more akin to something out of the Argento produced demon series, which we covered this year, um, where it, it just like the, the plot of the mother kicks off with someone accidentally opening a fucking urn. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it's just kind of like abruptly like, all right, we've opened this urn and inside is an exposition about the three mothers that we're going to read out. And then, uh, immediately out of nowhere a monkey's going to show up and scream and a bunch of crazed monks are gonna fucking disembowel someone and then all of this stuff that's happening you never get a sense of the scale of it really like it's it's like because the police are constantly pursuing azia argento because she was wrapped up in this disemboweling incident and meanwhile every other like every transition between scenes is is just more of this crazy violence and you're like so what is the scope of this like is this some sort of global event a citywide crisis like there's no real sense of any of that because it, it still seems like the police's primary concern is is this one murder and Ozzy Argento's <laughs> potential connection to it and you're like wait isn't isn't there like uh, 10,000 murders happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, I think it's it's really funny for all of Sir. We've like throughout the series, we've been uh, talking about Sergio Stivaletti's makeup effects, which are incredible. And there's a couple of pretty impressive rigs in this one, too, particularly that opening murder, splitting faces open and stuff. 
Uh, and then uh, later on in the movie, a woman throws her baby off a bridge because she's been taken over <laughs> by the power of the Mother of Tears. And it is literally just a doll chucked off a bridge. Like, it looks like literally like a consumer grade bought a Toys or Us doll just thrown no effort further went into it and that really kind of sums up yeah the global scale of this terror is just it just looks ridiculous it's like littering not murder yeah yeah well and and even like later uh priest Udo Kier shows up for about five minutes <laughs> which you're probably thinking to yourself oh yeah Udo Kier as a priest that was Suspiria so this is a continuation of that character well you'd be wrong this is a different priest well, he's not a priest. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a he was scholar a psycho, or something. Yeah. yeah, psycho scholar. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But saying as uh, as Adam says, he's an exposition guy. He just shows up to tell everyone what they need to know, and then off yeah. he goes. And then and then he goes, "Oh, let me let me get a book." <laughs> and then he runs off in the other room. And uh, speaking of bad looking dead babies, there's just like a cabbage patch <laughs> doll with a hunk of pig entrails stuck on top of it. <laughs> And then old Udo gets his throat cut from what seems like 30 feet away. <laughs> uh, it's it's just real great shit. I'm loving every minute of it. It just has some in- incredible shit in it. Like, when she moves, she goes to this fucking apartment after the Udo here scene. I'm like, this this thing, this whole sequence is just so goddamn incredible. <laughs> like, this is where we get the introduction of... Uh, her mother, uh, which is who's actually played by uh, Ozzy Argento's mother, uh, Daria Nicolodi. Um, so she's getting like instructed in the psychic powers to channel her mother or something, which is all portrayed with some of the worst CGI you'll ever fucking see in your life. Oh my, it looks like you're on the fucking haunted mansion ride at Disney World. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and that rolls into like her mother shows up and tells her to fucking. <laughs> leaves the apartment to go to a payphone and she gets up and has the world's shittiest jump scare where like some fucking Halloween USA like demon just shows up at the foot of her bed and goes like this yeah this feels like the first Argento I've noticed that has like that that early aughts jump scare aesthetic like like early in one of the first scenes where they discover the urn (laughs) Like, a guy takes a photo, and there's just oh a demon God. in the lens of the camera, and goes, rawr! And it's just like, <laughs> that's... Argent was never done that stuff. before. Like, that's an insane thing to do. Yeah. Um, and I would say, speaking of Dario Nicolotti, just as... I think one thing that's useful within this is, like, I, you get the sense of what this film might have been. I feel like discussions maybe occurred around the time of Inferno and Suspiria about, you know, the third mother, what that might entail... But critically, Dario Daria Nicolodi is acting in this film. She has no writing credit. She co-wrote Suspiria. I believe she co-wrote Inferno as well. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but like she's she is you know she wrote a lot of Argento's core stuff. She is an unsung hero. She's underappreciated of the creation of some of Dario Argento's best work. Um, as a writer, I you know I feel like she may well have had much more to, particularly with Suspiria, with the weirdness of the girls' school. That's not something Argento came up with. Honestly, in these later films, more I realize that Dario Argento knows nothing about women whatsoever and has acquired no extra knowledge in the twenty plus years since making some <laughs> of his most acclaimed work. But she has no role in this beyond acting, in which she, and she's mostly just, you know, she, she's like in a bad CG frame, just going, no, go left, go right, <laughs> run away. Uh, like, it's a very limited thing. It feels kind of a shame because, I, you know, everything else, like I say, just degrades into mostly just sexual violence against women. 
uh, for the rest of the movie. It's yeah, uh, it's it's weird. And then also, and God, this is going to be a running theme for this. I'm just going to broach it right now. Anja Argento's nudity, uh, which shows Gotta up. Have it. Yeah, it just keeps happening. I don't know why. It seems it's just a kind of thing. But I was like, well, her mom's in this movie too. Like it's weird to get nude in a movie that your dad directed, but your mom is also in the cast. So it's not going to happen, right? It happens. Well, I it's, mean, Daria Nicolodi may well have been like 50 miles away from the set for all uh, she appears. Oh, well, sure. Story. I'm just thinking the optics. Yeah. Of the, like, it's just weird. Like, it gets to the point where, honestly, it just feels like it's a weird family in-joke at this point. And uh, that's mm-hmm. just, it's very odd. Um, I, I like, yeah. I really like the shower scene here because it actually, uh, the, the camera feels like it's going out of its way to show her boobs. Always. Like, it's just... <laughs> It's just like the the world around is is just an inconvenience. It's like, oh, let me just scoot in here. Let me, oh, just kind of go one of these here, and oh, there they are. That's that's the thing that like strikes me about her her nudity in almost all of his films. I think the only exception probably is Phantom of the Opera, where like she it's a, there's an actual sex scene, which maybe is worse, but at least is a narrative component of the film. Yeah, and almost everything else, it's just like, oh, she's just changing her top. And the camera's just there. She's taking a shower. It's like, why would you even... Like, he's clearly yeah. going out of his way <laughs> to do this. Taking is, a shit insane. topless. It's just... Nothing makes sense. It's, it's just it, always... <laughs> oh, I don't understand why. So you guys and have it's... deviated from the very important point of this apartment scene, where she uh, is instructed by her ghost mother to call the, the residents of the apartment from a payphone and be like, get out of the house, because... A crazed bald man is there with a, a suitcase full of knives, and uh, he answers the payphone, and his CGI jaw unhinges, and he goes like, Aah! and then yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure what the danger there was. It's not really clarified. He's just making noise down a phone line. I don't but know supernaturally. And, yeah, it, it's perhaps one of the more ridiculous sequences in a, a film full of ridiculous, ridiculous sequences because. She proceeds to rip the telephone out, uh, like the handset out of the payphone, which cuts to like insert footage of like a, a transformer bay like exploding when she pulls this thing out of the telephone. I'm like, what? Why the fuck would any of this be happening? But I, I don't. Yeah. Then bald man just proceeds to like assemble a giant spear with his knife suitcase, like uh, and, and stab a woman in the vagina which uh yeah, cannibal holocaust uh, dario argento's first like yeah. lesbian couple yeah which is so mm-hmm. progressive and incredible Turns her into a corn dog yeah it, it has that extra bit like the the addendum after the initial stab where you're like oh shit and then it, it alleviates the tension immediately by cutting to like a, a cgi shot of the spear somehow like passing through her throat in one of the worst but, looking like I'm saying, I don't think he understands how women work yeah mm-hmm. yeah those parts don't connect generally no not not really at least to my knowledge I don't know well here's something that I think is is fun about this movie because you know we talk about like uh, Suspiria and Inferno and you know the kind of dreamlike logic of them uh, the one the one thing that did haunt me throughout a portion of this movie until I kind of got it together is uh, I was never quite sure if the monkey was just in the room beforehand or was related to the supernatural events. And it became later apparent, I guess he kind of is, but I still don't know why. Uh, but like early on, it's just kind of like, was there a monkey there the whole time? And she just noticed the monkey. And then there's also demons. It was, uh, I thought that was a kind of a, you know, 
it it seemed it seemed needlessly confusing, and I still I don't understand. Other than for the visual joke that in the climax, Aja Argento literally has a monkey on her back. I mean, in the apartment scene, the monkey <laughs> uses a rope to rappel into the apartment like some ninja or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's like it's it's like I think I guess the monkey is supposed to be like a a, a what what do you say like the witch's uh, familiar or something for the mother of tears. I guess probably because they just didn't want to have the because they just didn't want to pay the actress to be naked all the time in every scene. So they just mm-hmm. had a monkey is an easier thing to wrangle. Um, Argento loves monkeys too. Well, also the person who he cast as the mother of tears could not act at all. <laughs> so maybe they just didn't want to give oh. her many lines. In, in, in a cast of standout <laughs> bad acting, <laughs> the she, fucking Meryl Streep. She man. was acting from the waist up and the shoulders down, <laughs> primarily. <laughs> oh God, what what a real visual treat of a film. Yeah, and this is really like. Again, one thing we talked about with like sleepless is maybe people had a problem dealing with the the traditional Italian like not shot for sound like dubbing of everything. And this is the first one where I'm like, oh boy, there are some <laughs> like, dubbed voices here that are absolutely wild. Fun. Yeah, like some Godzilla level shit in this movie. It is bad. <laughs> yeah, like instead of paying people, Dario was just in the booth like, hello. I'm a woman. This is my voice. I don't know, buddy. Uh, and this yeah. is the good one in this series. So yeah, yeah, this is the one we liked. Oh yeah, if you're gonna like have have a bad movie night or something, this thing is a prime cut. Like it's a fucking blast. It's yeah. It's like I I don't know. There's there's enough here to sink your teeth into. Where it's like Dario Argento's TikTok movie, where you could take like 90 second snippets of a hundred different parts of this fucking film. And it's great. It's the most entertaining thing you've ever seen. And then you string it all together and you're like, well, that was shit. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's got some things here. It's, it's certainly of, of his three latest films, I guess, as of today, um, as of <laughs> 2021, this is his high watermark. Yeah, I it's suppose. it's sort of like uh, again. I would say, it, and this is kind of happens a couple of times. Like, I th- I don't think Argento ever really hit into a phase where he was really making consistently bad movies. But certain movies, the quality dips. But there's always the feeling that you're still watching an Argento movie. Uh, sometimes you're not quite sure why he pulled for things like Phantom of the Opera, for example. Is I do not understand what Argento was thinking making that movie, but it's also clearly he didn't compromise on it. I know there's talk of like there's a longer cut of it, but that movie is insane. It contains insane things no one else could have insisted on. Argento must have come up with this stuff himself. And Mother of Tears is the same kind of feeling. It's like, it's a wild movie. It never coheres into kind of like a real, like it's not scary in the slightest. It's not exciting. Uh, None of that ever comes together. But at the same time, there is certainly an assemblage of things that is very clearly the work of some guy with some very weird interests, you know? Um, It's surprising as a film, I guess. Like, every time something new happens, you go, oh, that was actually the last thing I expected. It is is worth noting that, uh, again, we talked about Sleepless as sort of a victory lap for Argento's, like, classic Jalo work, and all three, it struck me that all three of these movies we're covering today seem like on paper if you read about them that they might be like oh okay someone's dario argento's back like someone's probably 
going to give him money for this, right? We've got the third of the three Mothers movies. You're like, oh, this could be, you know, one last big hurrah. And then it surely is not. Uh, I mean, I like it. Well, well that, that's exactly what these yeah. are. Because, I mean, the, the quality's not there, but the elevator pitch right, is. Yeah, he's making a movie called <laughs> fucking Jollo and getting a real Hollywood star. You're like, oh, wow, yeah, this yeah, is going to be a, a real movie, an right? Oscar. And then the third one, oh, Dario Argento's making a Dracula movie? Wow, that could be interesting. If if you didn't know the trajectory he was on at this stage, you'd be like, very excited for all three of these. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. All right. Well, you know, let's let's go from the highest highs to uh, a, a little bit of a lower low. A little bit. I'd say the worst movie <laughs> he's ever made by a country mile. <laughs> let's talk about Dario Argento's Giallo. And if you're saying, you know, I've heard of this movie. Sure. It's entirely possible. It actually got some mainstream press and a lot of buzz because it stars in, in a double role, both as hero and villain. <laughs> Makes you think. Oscar award-winning actor, Adrian Brody. He's and also a this, producer. Yeah, he's a producer yeah. as well. So this is, this is a big deal, okay? And wouldn't you know, out of all of the films we have ever done for this podcast, like in the history of Optimism Vaccine, going back, I don't even know, six years, almost seven years now, We've been at this for a while. I would say this is like the most difficult to obtain film <laughs> ever for us. I, it took us a couple days to actually track down a copy. T to be fair, Steve, we, I, I never even considered purchasing uh, like a secondhand. Either, for all I know, there could be like someone looking for like a dollar for the old whatever. No, well, that IFC midnight fucking extreme DVD edition. I am so glad that you brought that up because the other thing is, is like, well, I mean, this seems like a slam dunk as far as a, a DVD release goes. You know, this was this came out when uh, physical media, you could still get a, a new release, just about anything. And on top of that, we've got the aforementioned Oscar Award winner uh, who produced and acts in this stars in it. So why is this so hard to find? Why are secondhand copies of this movie like $70 on fucking Amazon. Oh, These are all great questions. Let me tell you why. This is a headline from The Guardian back from 2010. Adrian Brody wins battle to block U.S. sale of Dario Argento's <laughs> Giallo. So, uh, what happened was uh, he Brody secured a court order on Monday that banned the DVD sale of the movie. And uh, he said that he still owed $640,000 for his role uh, and stands to lose up to $2 million if it's sold freely on DVD in the U.S. Uh, in a sworn declaration made prior to the video release in Italy last month, he said fellow producers lied to him about financing and vastly overstated how much the film's Italian distribution rights were worth. So... Basically, uh, yeah, so U.S. District Judge ruled that the film can no longer be distributed, marketed, or sold in the United States. Full stop. Can't do it. He also said that Brody was likely to win the final case and ruled that his likeness could not be used in the film or to promote it at all. And if you do find a secondhand copy of the DVD, you'll notice that his face appears on the DVD cover not once but twice. The ruling also states that Brody was, and I like this, quote, 
suffering and would continue to suffer immediate and irreparable harm unless an injunction was granted. <laughs> so basically, the producers lied to him and were like, yeah, we're going to pay you all this money and we have all of this, this, these great distribution deals. It's a slam dunk. You're going to star. You're going to get paid. You're going to get more money after we distribute it. And none of that happened because this is a cheap fucking movie. And it shows. So the reason you cannot get this movie anywhere is because only Adrian Brody's allowed to have it. There you go. I don't, yeah, and I don't think even he wants it. This is a... No, no, he does not want it at all. <laughs> and also, this is fucked up, too. So that was from The Guardian. I just want to get this out of the way real quick. Uh, from Hollywood Reporter, and this is a, a couple months after that, that Guardian article about the, the court victory for Adrian Brody. And it says... In The Hollywood Reporter, Italian horror master Dario Argento said in an interview with the Daily Newspaper that his latest film, Jello, is being blacklisted in, Holo in Hollywood. Okay, it's being blacklisted, blacklisted, because, yeah, this, this would have been huge. So uh, then they go on to describe him as, quote, the 69-year-old Argento known for the 1977 thriller Suspiria, sure, and La Terza Madre, the Mother of Tears from 2007. <laughs> Those are the two films he's known for. <laughs> but yeah, Argento says that he said, quote, it's incredible. Uh, and that he filmed the screen. The film was screened at the Edinburgh Film Festival. He didn't make the trip, uh, but he heard that everyone complimented the film. Oh, and then he was quick to point out that there was an Oscar winner in the main role. And now he says, quote, but nobody will take my phone calls now. The secretaries take my message, but nobody calls back. The more they refuse to talk to me, the more I will talk. Uh, and then it goes on to say that he is continuing his work on a modern remake of Suspiria, which he says is now in post-production. Oh, wow. So, that's, that's intriguing. If only there wasn't a track record here, of lying here. <laughs> yeah, the Hollywood Reporter chose not to actually find out what films he's known for. Um he went on to say that it, he he feels like people were complimenting him for legitimate reasons. But then the fact that now allegedly if there's he remade Suspiria and it was in post-production. So there's just like a Suspiria remake that he fucking filmed that's floating around out there. Is that what I'm supposed to take from that? That's that's horse shit. No fucking way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So he's completely full of shit. Yeah. I, I don't think Dario Argento's in like a financial place where you could just fucking take a film's worth of footage and throw it in the goddamn vault at this point like that's not it's well and the other thing is too is just like so you were just in a lawsuit wherein <laughs> famous american actor adrian brody alleges that you lied to him and then in just a throwaway remark that you did not need to make you're like, oh, who cares? I already remade Suspiria. It's in post-production. <laughs> maybe Whatever. something was lost in translation. Maybe maybe they, they just got a little confused, you know? Yeah, possibly. Who, who knows? Possibly. I mean, I, I, my favorite of that is, is the concept that anyone was con was, was complimenting Jalo at the Edinburgh Film oh. Festival. It's like, that is strong, like, my uncle works at Nintendo Energy, uh, frankly. <laughs> This is, uh, let me tell you, has anyone ever looked better with prosthetics hastily scotch taped to their face? <laughs> oh my God. He looked like, like if, if uh, you know, the guy from the Warriors that like clinks the bottles together and says, Warriors, come out and play. It's like if you had that guy, but he had an allergic reaction because he ate some peanuts or something, he just bloated up. <laughs> that's, that's what he looks like. 
<laughs> smooth, non-porous skin. Again, Stivaletti is like a makeup's wizard, and I think at this point, just I was like trying to make shit out of stuff that was already in his garage. I, you know, uh, yeah. There's 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 some budget shortfall here. This movie has a lot of problems. Um, and I would say I think I would kind of agree with with Adam. I think th I think this is the worst Argento movie. Maybe I think we may have found it. Um, and it's and really what's what's really frustrating about it is that it. It isn't anything, really. It's it's kind of like a 2000s torture porn movie. Uh, Argento is at the helm, but I don't know why. There's nothing of his trademark kind of like camera movements and big set pieces. There's none of that, really. Uh, it's not a giallo. It's called giallo. And that, that's maybe my favorite part about this because because Argento's movies are known. I mean, all his jolly and... and Shallow generally is known for like there's like a twist there's like a there's like a little kink that gets unraveled and changes everything and you know and Argento was like the best in the game for that I mean he's known for it throughout these incredible filmic twists you know that you're like where, where he puts he literally puts the thing on screen and you didn't see it until later on he explains what happened and it's great and that's why people love movies like Deep Red and so on um, this one he did it off screen on the movie poster he called it giallo and it's not a giallo and it's called giallo because that's the italian for yellow because the bad guy's a yellow man that seems weird and, and that's <laughs> he's, he's got jaundice that's it that's the truth he has a bad liver he's not even like the sin city monster dude he just has fucking liver disease yeah you would think that that perhaps the fact that like Adrian Brody is playing the the main detective and the killer. Like, oh, that's this is gonna be a setup for something. There's a twist coming. No, no, no. There, there's oh not. my god! And Adrian Brody's voice too. I mean, again, the talented actor here. <laughs> Adrian Brody playing the villain is amazing, and I think part of it is because he can't actually move his mouth. But his whole thing is he's just like, oh, pretty spaghetti pizza <laughs> the whole time. That's all he says. He's just the most like goofy ass, like fucking fake Italian accent horse shit I've ever fucking seen. This is real like Chef Boyardee with a jaundiced liver disemboweling <laughs> I never even explained like so he yeah, he's he's Italian as the bad guy, and then as the hero, he's American, but he's in Italy for reasons that I'm not sure they yeah. ever fully explain. Like he's got an FBI jacket or something, but he's like just it's working. The only in Italy. place where they'll let him you know use his unorthodox methods to solve crime his unorthodox also, methods like, of not fucking doing anything until a civilian goes in and shouts at him that's like yeah, that's the movie it's literally literally a wood so so the, the the killer the serial killer is kidnapping beautiful women who could have imagined of all the types of women you could kidnap beautiful ones yeah. and he's he's wrecking them he's he's disfiguring them and mutilating them and then ultimately murdering them um and so Adrian I cut off your kissy lippies. <laughs> so so Adrian Brody is inexplicably the American in Italy in charge of investigating these kind of murders. Uh, I guess they, they couldn't find an Italian guy to do it. And he's just sort of sitting around in a basement with a bunch of grisly photos up just staring at him all fucking day. Uh, but it's the sister of the latest victim, played by Mrs. Roman Polanski, Emmanuel Senior, who comes in and basically says, Hey, are you gonna do anything? And he's like Oh, yeah, I guess maybe we should. And then they just kind of wander around Italy for an hour. That's pretty much it. Isn't his characterization seems to be like, oh, he's 
he just goes around fucking killing serial killers like he's some Dexter or something. But it's not <laughs> explored he? in any way. Uh, we no, only no, deal like, with the one whole, killer. <laughs> the whole flip side of it, and, and this is what they're trying to do, is like, so Adrian Brody plays the killer and the guy who hunts killers, but he has a backstory. The cop has a backstory, uh, which is that he saw his mom being murdered when he was dressed up like the little boy from Deep Red in, like, presumably the fucking <laughs> 80s or something. I don't know. Real weird stuff going on in the flashback. But he saw his mom getting murdered, so he then murdered the man who horrifically murdered his mother. And then mm-hmm. the killer keeps going, you and I are the same. And it's like, I really don't think anyone thinks We're you not are. so different, <laughs> are we? It's like, I pick up women and mutilate them because I hate them. And you killed the man who killed your mother in front of you. This is not flip sides of a coin I mean, no, at all. No. Uh, and did did you not notice, the Jack, these are, they're played by the same actor, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're two sides they're really, of the same coin. Another thing I love, another thing I love about this movie is that at one point they just because they have no like it's just Brody investigating this, and at some point he just mentions that um, the the killer only preys in like foreign women, so the Italian press haven't caught wind of this yet that there's a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And it's like he preys exclusively on beautiful women, and yeah, the, the, there's nothing the press ignore quicker than missing pretty women. That's easily if i were a serial killer that's how i'd keep under the radar yeah they seem to be at some sort of a uh, large fashion uh, model uh, event yeah, all as these well, models yeah. keep yeah. disappearing and it's just like ah she's probably like flaky whatever as i don't think that's how that works no i i'd have no. to say that's that's generally not the case uh man i hate this movie it's it's fucking boring as shit and uh it, i just i can't figure <laughs> out like like we're asking why would they have Dario Argento as director like why anything like to me it, it, this whole thing you look at like the numbers listed on it too like outside of the lawsuit like it's listed budget is like 14 million dollars which bullshit uh <laughs> especially if they're paying Brody like they're just giving him rights rather than paying him a lump sum of cash which obviously mm-hmm. they shorted him on uh and it, $13 million went to Dario Argento's pocket. Right, and it made $50,000 worldwide. It's <laughs> it's a fucking disaster, but it, its entire existence feels like a fucking scam of some sort. Like, it's called Jalo. That's a lie. It's not a fucking Jalo. It's like the most misleading thing you could fucking call it. it it's like the whole thing just exists to, like, scam people into seeing it or, or scam adrian brody into appearing in it like i don't understand what this is other than horrible <laughs> yeah there, there's no there's no momentum behind this because like, it's not a giallo and and we we're talking about this a little earlier in before the pod about like the the issue with giallo is that as a sub-genre there aren't really hard and fast rules about what it is and giallo is in fact even almost almost a movement kind of, you you could argue to be a giallo really you probably kind of had to take place within a certain time frame within the Italian cinema industry. You know, I wouldn't make the case for specifically like Neo Giallo, but like really there there was like a period where a lot of them were being made and they all have very similar stylistic elements and kind of uh, story details and so on. And then they kind of fell out of fashion. They kind of disappeared. And then everything else that came after that was kind of like, you know, kind of in in the wake of the Jalo, like knowing about it, but they, you know, it's kind of like there's a specific set of rules to it and kind of a a, a vintage to them that kind of places them in really the 70s primarily. You know, and Argento made a few in Tenebre is an 80s Jalo, Lamberto Bava's uh, 
the Blade in the Dark as like an 80s Jalo. They existed, they persisted yeah. for that long. I think but you, it's could call sleepless, you would call Sleepless a Jalo. Sleep, I would not sleepless argue with it is. At all. Yeah. Sure, yeah, and I think it is. I think it's just a question of it doesn't look like those because it is a much newer movie. And, you know, it's kind of like film noir. It's kind of like there was a time and a place where they kind of existed. And this, you know, you, I'm not saying that, you know, I would really be hard and fast about that, but I guess the, the issue with it is that Jalo is not really strictly defined generally speaking so a bunch of people seem to think this is a giallo but it, it doesn't have any of the things you would expect from because first off okay firstly the murderer is just there you can see him and his shitty prosthetic face they had a way out from the from the beginning for not showing his shitty prosthetic face because giallo never shows a murderer until they're revealed you see their hands you see them the the function of their work uh, also giallo is really just about like murdering people like it's stylistic murder sequences this is just torture porn he's just cutting bits off women and shouting at them for long period yeah. it's just it, there's no gloves he doesn't even wear gloves while he's cutting the women's bits off it's it's not like it's, that's because it, i wash my hands with the bleach yeah. <laughs> like it's just it's not a giallo uh, at all and so what was argento doing making this film like and, and nothing else within the film feels like him there's no like the like the camera movements and stuff and this even the card player we talked about in the last episode that great sequence where you know where she realizes that there's someone in the house and that's a great mm -hmm. just weighted sequence of like nothing too fancy it was made on a lower probably a lower budget than this movie although the accounting on this one looks crazy but you know certainly this movie looks a little bit more resplendent than the card player uh, but, you know, nothing too fancy in that, just like good editing camera placement to kind of ratchet up the tension. It's got that kind of dramatic weight behind it. There's none of that here. This seems like Argento phoned it in or was never in a place to really put it together at all. And yet, yeah, it has an Oscar winner in it. It's Adrian Brody's like the biggest person Argento's almost ever worked with. Certainly like in the time he's working with him, like Brody won an Oscar like fucking, what, three years prior or so. Yeah. Like he was... It was, this is a big deal for him uh, and and the film just doesn't connect with that at all beyond possibly being a scam i, I have no yeah. idea it's, it's great too because you know argento's smart because he he really sniffed this one out adrian brody is he's a talented actor and he's been in some great films talk about a guy who makes bad fucking career decisions though like in between things that are like critically acclaimed popular series whatever He's always doing things. You're like, I've never even fucking heard of this. It's like, oh, when he started in this uh, direct-to-video uh, action film <laughs> starring, uh, I don't know, <laughs> like fucking uh, Rutger Hauer or something. And it's just like, oh, yeah, and Adrian Brody, and it was made for $50,000. Then he just shoot, shoots it out there into the world. And then he goes on making real shit. Yeah, I think he's he's escaping the post-Oscar thing, but he did it in like yeah. a weird way where he never really disappeared. But yeah, he just started showing up in stuff that was like, surely, what this is beneath you, surely. Like, I have no stake in this, and even I think this is beneath you. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, why is Joe Estevez in this? It's like 2014's <laughs> American Heist, starring Adrian Brody and Hayden Christensen. There you go. Oh, there's another guy too, Hayden Christensen. Holy shit. Never that even won guy. the Oscar. No, everybody just got really mad at him after Star Wars. They're like, well, your punishment is you have to spend the next like 20 years just only in shitty movies. That's it. Yeah. So this this movie is just um, like I say, I think it's the worst Argento because it uh, even if you dislike some of the other ones, like I can understand people disliking, say, Phantom of the Opera. 
intensely. It's a really weird movie. But Argento's certainly swinging for something. Even the next movie, we're going to talk about Dracula. Like, Argento's doing something. I don't know why, but he's definitely going for something. Giallo is really maybe the only Argento movie I could point to and say feels kind of anonymous. Feels like, honestly, it could have been directed by someone else. The card player, I know, Adam, you said, like, it doesn't have a lot of his elements, but they creep in here and there. There's definitely some moments. Giallo is just, uh, like, it just feels like fucking a hostile ripoff. Yeah, I mean, even if, the, mm-hmm. even if the card player doesn't have, like, a lot of signature Argento to it, at least it's a fine thing. Like, I was, sure. uh, you know, I could sit down and watch it. This is, like, sort of similar in that it, it also has, a, like, a big CSI stink about it, but also it's just fucking boring as hell. Like, there's nothing here. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really it's it's a dud. That's it. I mean, it, it gets any of its. Uh, I don't know. It, it leans into the torture porn stuff, and that's kind of where its little sparks come from. But even that is it's really fucking hacky, and it's not great. There's no inventive. Uh, again, it, the way it's filmed, it would always come across as like dull and and kind of gruesome. But it's not. There's no, like, fun or invention in the violence either. It's like, oh, he no. cut off a pinky. It's like, yeah, so is every fucking horror movie in the last two decades. Yeah. Get in line. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, yeah, definitely, a- definitely our Patreon needs, like, 70 bucks so we can have the Optimism DVD copy of this one. Yeah, we need a, we're, we're going to get a DVD copy of this. We're going to frame it. <laughs> and then Myros is going to redo the score using his theremin that, that your Patreon dollars will buy. This is happening. All, all through your, your generous donations. But anyways, yeah, so this kind of leads us to what I would say is the worst Argento movie, but I, I completely accept your premise for why Jallo is worse, but uh, Dracula 3D, which came out not that long ago. God, what was it, 2012 maybe? Yep. Yeah, which I guess that's a while now, but it doesn't seem like it. Anyways, it's... Uh, Pretty Unlike bad. Jello, which which looks really like generic and and flat, I have never seen a movie before that actually looks like Dracula 3D, and it's shit. And I mean the the acting is horrible. It's just dull as fuck. I, there's nothing remarkable about this film other than the fact that it, you you have to see this, like you have to see it in motion to even begin to comprehend how fucking weird this movie looks. I don't even like how would you describe this? It looks like I I think Jack, it's like a 90s CGI game. Yeah, That's yeah. What it no, looks it's like. like if you ever remember that like craze in the 90s where they, you know, video games moved to CD and you could suddenly just start putting in movies in in video games. And like for for a brief second, the whole industry like pivoted to video. They were like, oh, man, we can just we can hire real actors and have them act in movies. And that would be incredible. And they were like the most stilted, slow video games you've ever played. But we got, you know, Phantasmagoria and Ripper and Night Trap. This actually looks like those because a lot of them had like, uh, you know, CG renderings of like rooms for that you would play in. Like it's photorealistic, but on like 90s tech. This actually looks like that. It is. This is insane. And, and and the thing is, too, is you got to understand there's like pretty ornate period costumes going on here. And there's like a real ass castle that's like it's actual bricks. They're actually at a castle like there's sets, there's locations, there's things. And then 
there's the other side of that, which is you, you have this CGI shit that it's mind-boggling. There's a train station, and you would think, like, there's got to be a couple of train stations out there that you could have used. And instead, it's like he instructed a, a four-year-old to finger-paint him a train station, and then he painstakingly inserted the actors on top of it with a green screen. The, the only way the only way I could describe like the train station is and I don't know how else you would describe this is like there's like a, a CG layer of Vaseline over the entire thing. It is just <laughs> I've never bizarre. seen I have seen so many low budget movies over the course of my life and I have never seen anything like this. It's it's like a whole new weird just unsettling. It's very unsettling. Like I felt uncomfortable watching this. And there's other things, too, where, I mean, that's like weird, bad, uncomfortable. But then there's other things where, oh, a, a woman is is running through the woods uh, trying to get away from a vampire or whatever. And like an owl swoops down because it's, you know, it's Dracula, but pretending to be an owl. And they just like zoom in on this fucking owl. And it looks like it was rendered using Star Fox on the Super <laughs> Nintendo. It really feels unfinished. And. I just, I don't, you, like, you didn't have to do that. That's the other, like, they were showing these these high up shots of the of the owl above her hooting and, and her running and her reaction shots. There was no reason you had to show me Star Fox Owl. None. But here it is. Yeah, Why? It, I, Why absolutely. Is I was just thinking this earlier. Like, if any movie needs an oral history, this movie needs an oral history yes. because I, I just want to understand why every decision in this film happened i just mm -hmm. everything about it is bizarre and it mentioned of course this was in 3d um which and, and like even that to begin with it's like 3d tech in 2012 that like real 3d generally did two things there's like two things you could bank on for those kind of movies one the camera couldn't move quickly because in 3d if the camera moves quickly everyone starts feeling nauseous and secondly, everything has to be pretty well lit. It has to be pretty bright for those films to work. Oh, it's well lit, all right. <laughs> right. Jesus. So every daylight scene, everyone, <laughs> everything is just blown the fuck out. So, so this is the this is the thing. Okay, so the camera can't move quickly, but Dario Argento was directing it, and it has to be well lit, and it's fucking Dracula. <laughs> like nothing about this makes any sense. And then you watch the actual film, the compositions. I don't even know what the 3D would be accentuating. Like there's there's a couple of shots where there's like a candle in the foreground that clearly I guess would be coming right at you. But like most of it, it's just people sitting around chatting. Like there's nothing. I, you know, I feel like even when they like start throwing knives later on, they're throwing them away from the screen, not towards mm -hmm. them. Yeah, it, it's, it's not like you're baffling. watching fucking Friday the 13th Part 3 and Jason's going like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> There's none of that. I don't know. This seems like it would be an awfully boring 3D film, not worth the, uh, <laughs> the, the sort of compromises that need to be made for the format. No. Well, and, and then, so how does Dario Argento kind of get around not being able to move the camera quickly or as quickly as he would like to. And the answer is, uh, well, he's, he, he is still a hundred percent determined to make Dracula a guy who can more or less just like zip around and teleport. Like he's the fucking flash. And so you've got this like road runner effect going on where 
<laughs> Dracula can, just goes like, Zoop, and then he just kind of like scoots into the screen, like on, into the frame really quickly. And it looks insane. There's, there's a very confusing thing. Because I mean, because um, this is actually up to a point, seems like a fairly faithful retelling of the Dracula story. There's some big changes, like the fact they never go to yeah. London. They just stay in Transylvania or whatever, you know, but fair enough. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's still, it's about like, Lost. Well, and, and Dario Argento's daughter gets a sponge bath, just like in the original book. <laughs> like I say, yeah, the, the, the nudity in this one is, oh my God, it's absolutely insane. There's I, don't, several... I, I mean, it's been a long time since I read the book, but I don't remember the praying mantis much. You know? that, that is new, yes. <laughs> but but this, you know, and, and that's kind of like what's confusing about this movie is that like at times it feels like it's a stately period adaptation. It feels like it's a serious attempt to recreate some of the like gravitas and creeping unwellness of bram stoker's book and then at other times he turns into a fucking praying mantis <laughs> and cuts people's heads off and then like mm-hmm. adam you were talking about like claudio simonetti scored this and it's a pretty traditional score an orchestral score it's actually not particularly i like i would not have predicted this was a claudio simonetti thing until the end credits where it's like fucking euro metal with the lady <laughs> screaming dracula over and over again it just made you wish that was actually in the fucking movie though right <laughs> oh yeah yeah no they should have done that like it's mostly it's a pretty traditional orchestral score but then there's a theremin yeah. that just keeps creeping in which sounds like a weedly like it, it's all the time it sounds like you know when i first heard it i was like you know this seems like a throwback like like a knowing throwback to like you know those hokey horror movies and it's in it's in 3d as well and you know maybe it's like a knowing throwback to those but then you're like adam you're right i mean like it's not like the classic horror movies like the 50s atomic monster creations yeah. are more that era and mm. and it doesn't feel like one of those either the whole like nothing in this film makes any sense to me i am absolutely just aghast and bewildered by everything here it, it's wild like they'll be having some like prim and proper fucking like period conversation like i'm watching some jane austen adaptation and then in the background <laughs> it's there's so many like <laughs> conflicts in this thing because it's obviously shot intentionally be 3d but it also like most of the time, it just feels like a, a stage play almost. Like, it's just a film <laughs> stage play of Dracula in 3D for some reason. But I I don't know. I guess that it's, like, weird enough that it almost kind of works, but it's it's too long, and it's it's quite dull. But it but. is. It's like an hour and 50 minutes long, which is just punishing. Yeah, um, yeah. I would disagree with Steve on one front. I don't mind the acting in this movie. I think it's perfectly serviceable. I especially think <laughs> Kretschmann's Dracula is pretty dang good. Yeah, yeah, Kretschmann deserves incredible credit for actually wrangling a, a honestly pretty solid Dracula out of this. Yeah, and Rutger Hauer isn't doing much, but he's still Rutger Hauer. <laughs> I God, mean, honestly, he looks the, like shit. Of, of the main of the main <laughs> cast, I think Ajo Argento is the one who comes yeah. out worst. She looks genuinely oh, sh- bewildered that she's there, like she got Adrian Brodied into being in this thing. He does not mm-hmm. get a good performance out of her in any of these that we want like she's quite bad in mother of tears as well yes she is yeah and it's weird because i mean at around the same time of um mother of tears she was in Asaias's boarding gate and she's great yeah it, she's it not really a bad works. actress it's just like yeah. she does not work well with dario 
Well, no, because he keeps well, getting her naked. if your dad was constantly asking you to take your shirt off, you'd probably be a little off your game, too. There is almost making this worthwhile is that when she first, and I, I've honestly, I've just treasured, I screen capped this the first time I watched the movie years ago, and every so often I just pull up the screen cap to laugh. Uh, the first time she turns into a vampire, she, like, does this, like, meh look with her fangs, and it's just, it looks like they, like, they did no prep for it whatsoever, like, her teeth are disheveled, and she's just got this weird, like, she looks like she just smelled a fart. It is the, <laughs> it's, like, unthreatening, unsexy, un, you know, sultry vampire performance in history, and Dari Horshento did that to his daughter. Uh, so wow it's I mean, it's an incredible piece yeah admittedly outside of asia uh a lot of the like bit roles are some pretty amateurish shit but it's also it lends to that like it feels like fucking community theater dracula i don't know <laughs> this is very strange god uh, and it's and again it's like it's quite gory but it's all this cg gore it's just like it feels like dario if you work with dario argento in this period like there's a copy and paste throat slitting effect you just put in <laughs> and he and the only guidance you get is like more blood and you just you, you like hit the button until like enough blood is on the screen and it's like cool let's move move well, on and none of the kills here i mean there's some gory stuff but nothing really has any impact to it no and there's this scene where dracula crashes this little meeting and he kills a bunch of people and then uses his sexy Dracula eyes to make a guy shoot himself in the fucking mouth. And one of the kills is he decapitates a guy, but the motion, it just looks like he lightly slaps the guy's face <laughs> and the head just flies across the room and like clunks off a wall. It's fucking hilarious. It's like watching someone throw a super ball against their fucking house. <laughs> it's an extremely confusing element too, because he just, straight up slaughters like five guys by just like with like you say like lightly tapping them and then in the conclusion when dracula is like genuinely mad at van helsing he keeps punching him in the face and van helsing's just like oh stop us it's like he just he like he hits him like 10 times and and van helsing is like got a light cut on his cheek very very confusing yeah and at this point i think i could kick rucker howard's ass so it's not really that (laughs) impressive I uh, I mean at the I guess for a movie that's like an hour and fifty minutes long and really drags like what's the point of all the Tanya stuff because that's the actress who would who would do copious amounts of nudity or what like why the fuck's any yeah. of that in the movie like it's not a focus and she just kind of like that's summarily a, killed need, in the third act it's <laughs> like what you need a horny break every fifteen <laughs> minutes where she comes in and just like dry humps a chair. Like, yeah, I'm curious, I'm just curious if, like, her breasts are, like, 80% of the, the 3D movement in this thing. I'm, <laughs> I, like, literally, I would pay money to see this in 3D because I'm just confused about what it looks like and how it yeah, works. Yeah, I, I need to see it. Music Box Theater, I know you're listening. You need to play this thing, man. I mean, really, Dario, you're just gonna cast Miriam Giovanelli as uh, Mina Harker and uh, trimmed, like, a half hour out of this fucking movie and you'd be in business. <laughs> Easy. Yep. Uh, yeah, you know, if this thing ran like 80 minutes, I think it could, it would hold up much better as a curio, as a film that is unlike any other film. Like, this this does not look like any other Dracula adaptation, with good reason. Another thing that blew me away, okay, the cinematographer on this is Luciano Tavoli, who has worked with Argento twice before shooting Suspiria and Tenebre, which are like, oh my like, God. like his <laughs> arguably his two best movies, also shot Antonioni's The Passenger. Like, this dude is 
insanely overqualified to come up with a movie that looks like the first run over of like a 90s video game that no one wants to play anymore. Uh, it's really, like I say, I, just, I would love to find out what, how, like what series of events, other than uh, apparently like about eight different trusts in Italy giving him money. Like the opening credits is mm. like eight different regions of Italy saying, we gave Dario Argento money to do this. That seems to be the only reason this movie exists is just to spend taxpayers' money. Um, everything else in this film Good. is it's called it's called a uh, service to your people here. This is what democracy is about. Man. I mean, Come like on. like Adam mentioned up front. I mean, theoretically, Dario Argento Dracula adaptation sounds like it could be a thing, but yeah. it sure isn't. And keep in mind, this movie also has less than half of the listed budget of uh, Giallo. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I virtually mm. guarantee it costs more. Something is up with Giallo. <laughs> the movie's a scam. <laughs> yeah. A little, little bit of a grift going on there. Haven't figured it out, but yeah, I, I I need some behind the scenes on this movie. Like someone someone give me a, a fucking oral history or even like a comprehensive behind the scenes documentary. I'd take that. Yeah, I I wish like I could. Just, it's so fucking. I wish weird. I could recommend it as like a fun thing. Like this kind of what I I kind of expected going into this. Uh, this is one I've not seen, but. The buzz when it came out was people were having a lot of uh, fun with with Dario uh, this one. They were uh, he he took a lot of punches about this Dracula 3D thing, but it was kind of like it had a moment where it was like the good bad movie du jour, and uh, it's not. It's not a good bad movie. No, like it's not. not at all. It's not entertaining. If you want to watch a good bad Dario Argento movie, then watch Mother of Tears because this movie's just. It's weird. It's it's kind of interesting to put on for like 15 20 minutes, but it's fucking long and dull and not not particularly yeah. fun. Yeah. If you if you Play watch it at double it, speed. Well, no, if you it, I would say put it on and watch it till the first shot of the train station and it never it never tops that. No, it really doesn't. That's all you need. Yeah. That's, that's truly the the apex. The church, that's also a pretty uh, remarkable set. I'll grant Oh god, with the stained glass window lighting. That's Jesus. Yeah, it's Oh, it's yeah. really incredible. Like, and again, I, you know, I the tech. No, you know, de digital film didn't have to look like this. No. This just looks so bad. I don't know what happened. No, it's one of the worst looking things I've ever seen. And I don't even know if "worst" is the right word. It's just I've never seen anything like it, and I I don't enjoy it. It makes me very upset to look at. It's like a Neil which is Green a weird movie. reaction. But like, yeah, more so. It's like it's almost more Neil Breen than Neil Breen in terms of the visuals. Mm -hmm. um, Hyper Breen cinema. <laughs> well, it's like keep in mind, noted auteur Patrick Lucier was doing uh, 3D filmmaking at this time. My Bloody Valentine 3D is like three years before this, and it doesn't look like this. Like, yeah, <laughs> Drive Angry 3D, almost exactly the same time frame as well. Like these are. These are 3D movies, very intentionally made to be entertaining, doofy 3D shot in 3D. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, it's not like Patrick Lussier is uh, a master, like, say, uh, Dario Argento, but he seemed to be able to figure it the fuck out. Yep. Yep. All right, boys. Well, we got to wrap things up. So, Jack, what are you putting over this week? All right, I'm I'm gonna go the opposite. I, I've just you know mostly it's like oh here's a porno that we watched recently. No, mm -hmm. gonna be all highbrow and shit. So uh, yesterday I watched a movie and it's eight hours long and it's good. So if you have eight hours free to watch a movie and you have access to Mubi, 
you can stream the works and days of Tayoko Shiojiri in the Shiotani Basin. It's full thing. Just search for the works and days. That's easier to remember. Really great film, but it's essentially kind of a portrait of a Japanese family, a farming family, and their community in a rural part of Kyoto, Japan in the modern era. And it's it's they shot for weeks on end just collecting footage and kind of made this this broad ranging kind of historiography of the region and the people and everything. It's it's really wonderful if you're into slow cinema and this that's it is slow cinema. It's nothing happens for literally hours at a time. But if you can get on its wavelength and kind of absorb its its kind of like atmosphere and how they cut they kind of like mix and match sound to image and so on there's it really is it's a really beautiful film uh so if you were into that sort of thing and if the thought of that does not immediately have you thinking what the fuck no way uh definitely check out the works and days sounds like porn to me myros what are you putting over this week <laughs> uh i'm putting over the works of patrick lucier of course uh you know the master of 3d <laughs> cinema and uh Tom Atkins super fan. If you're not going to give him credit for much else, give him credit for the fact that uh, he's he's like the only director who appreciates Tom Atkins and, and brought him back for a pretty good run there in the uh, aughts into the, the teens there. But uh, yeah, apparently he had a new movie in 2019. I was not aware of that. I thought he uh, was pretty well booted after uh, Drive Angry bombed. But uh, there's, a, there's a Halloween Shame. movie called Trick, which uh, which also has Tom Atkins from a couple years ago. And uh, Adam, have you been googling right. during the during the podcast again? Uh no, no, I I've memorized all of this information. And uh, <laughs> Trick is uh, it's on Hulu. I'm going to look it up tonight, and I'll probably put it over next podcast because this man's got a track record, and uh, his movies are dumb fun. And yeah, he even also made a a, a better. Uh, good bad Dracula movie, uh, Dracula two thousand. Oh hell yeah! That's <laughs> whenever we do our our like two thousands or like early two thousands horror. That's got to be that's got to be on there. <laughs> Actually, I want I want Queen of the Damned. That's <laughs> oh god. There's there's some real great schlocky Dracula out there. <laughs> Myros, who's your favorite actress? Why is it Aaliyah? Uh, well, you know she's a martyr. <laughs> What did she die for? R and B, airline safety regulations. I don't... I'm, I'm gonna let you guys chew on that one for a little bit. See what you come up with. Uh, I'm gonna put over. I, you guys ever heard of this movie series? It's called The Matrix. I don't know if you're familiar. It sounds fascinating, Steve. What's that about? Well, uh, it's it's about computers and shit. Uh, anyways, no, I, I I rewatched The Matrix for the first time in a long time, and obviously that one's still a stone cold classic. And then I was like, well, I gotta, I'm gonna rewatch the sequels because I'm gonna go see the uh, the new film, which comes out in God less than a week. So I watched the second Matrix movie, and I did not enjoy it when I was younger when it first came out. I thought I was like, eh, it's okay. Fucking loved it this time. And tonight I'm diving into the third Matrix movie, which I hated when I was like 18. So now I am hoping. But I will love that as well. So, we'll so wait, see. are you telling me that architect stuff is not a great pile of horse shit? Because uh, that would surprise me. Uh, I really fucking hated it when I was young. I mean, it's kind of a pile of horse shit, but it, in a way that makes sense. Okay, okay. So the idea that like, yeah, because what it does is like when, when, when you're watching this, at least when I watched it when I was younger, I was like, oh, it's bullshit that like 
you know, Neo is the one, but then he shows up and the architect's like, yeah, there's a bunch of ones. You're one of many ones and who fucking cares? The world's going to end anyways. Go suck shit. And, you know, that was kind of frustrating. But now it's, it's really, if you think about it, it's a movie about how you can't put all your eggs in the Neo basket. It's about, you know, collectivism and banding together to, to fight off your oppressor. So there you go. You can't just rely on Neo in life, man. All right. All so, right. yeah, it's good. Also, those fucking, like, albino dudes with the dreadlocks that can go transparent, they're fucking cool. Well, so. that's true. It was never lacking for good action. I think the third one, uh, no. third one's oh, a little worse on that front, what with all the uh, yeah. weird rubber uh, Agent Smiths there, but... Uh... Yeah. yeah. And some of the some of the CG like there's there's like the 100 Smith battle in in the second one that looks a little rough these days, but most of the CG looks fantastic and that's because it's supplemented by some truly incredible practical effects and real sets and god, that fucking freeway battle that goes on, my god, that is just it's it's incredible. It's like some real top tier white knuckle yeah. action they, cinema they don't build it's exciting to watch <laughs> you know they, no, they build they like don't. miles of freeway just to stage that whole sequence and it's like that's mm-hmm. the commitment to movies i want i mean they don't even build freeways to drive on these days really that's true. Ah. Uh, joe biden's gonna build back better no they already got rid of that one actually yeah never mind no no roads for us yeah a bonus put over that's less of a cop-out i guess is uh, steve steve probably doesn't have the hardware to experience it but i think jack and i both have is the, is the uh unreal engine 5 matrix awakening demo which is Ooh. uh fucking cool as shit man <laughs> honestly unsettling how good it looks i was oh actually one of you guys one of you guys needs to text my my dang wife and tell her to give me a ps5 for, for Christmas. I'll get right on it. I'll I'll just mess you up. Yeah. <laughs> Can you get them now? Or are they are they even? No, I don't not even really. Know. It's kind of the same the same Probably situation. Not. You know. If you... Cool. Great. Everything's yeah. running yeah. brilliantly. Everything's good. Yeah. You can tell the world's coming to an end, and, and not because it was sixty five degrees in the middle of December, <laughs> but because I still can't get a fucking PS five. Are you kidding me? The fuck. All right. Well, anyways, if you enjoyed today's podcast because you love, you know, late career Dario Argento, corn, uh, and uh, I don't know, other stuff, then great. Awesome. Do us a big favor. There's a link in the description to this podcast, and that'll take you to our Patreon page. And you can give us money. What does that money go towards? Well, podcasting is expensive, theremins are expensive. DVD copies of Dario Argento's film Giallo, it, they're expensive. And yet How do we priceless. obtain these things? Yeah, and yet priceless. So help us achieve our dreams by giving us money, and we, in turn, will will give you things. You, you'll have access to a whole back catalog of exclusive podcast content, as well as written articles, uh, new things that we drop on the old Patreon for you. And, of course, I will send you in the mail, I'm going to send you a personal uh, or a, a film from my personal collection. So this could be a DVD, a Blu-ray, a box set. You have no idea. A laser disc, VHS tape. You're getting something. And uh, I'm actually sending one out on Monday. So there you go. Look, a little Christmas gift for you. Drop it right down the fucking chimney. So yeah, please give us money. We need money. It, that would be great. So make our Christmas dreams come true. Other than that, if you have any questions, concerns, death threats, marriage proposals, optimismvaccine at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at optimismvaccine, and we'll say hello to you, maybe. I don't know. That's possible. 
Jake's not here, so uh, I guess Jack's got the last word. Ominous silence. That's two words, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs>